Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When the angel of the Lord, the Moloch of Yahweh, the Son of God, appeared unto Gideon, he called him a mighty man of valor. The only problem is Gideon didn't seem like a mighty man of valor. He didn't seem powerful at all, not to anyone and not to himself. But God knew the truth and the power of God he was. At the time when the angel came, Gideon was hiding from the Midianites who were oppressing the children of Israel. The Midianites had taken to seasonally raiding the land of Israel. They came almost like locusts. They raided, they devoured, they murdered. And this was, by the way, not war. This was not an invasion. This was simply opportunism. It was criminal. You might even call it terrorism. So too, so prevalent was it that the Israelites were forced at this time to make holes in the ground so that they could hide from the marauding Midianites. This is what Gideon is doing. He is hiding from the Midianites. He is threshing wheat, threshing grain in the shadows of a wine press so that he can't be seen so that they don't come upon him accidentally and he doesn't lose his life for the sake of a couple of loaves of bread. On top of the fact that he's hiding, his clan is the weakest in Manasseh and he himself is the, the least in his father's home. So we can understand Gideon's response when the angel of the Lord's greeting comes to him and says, the Lord is with you. Hmm. Gideon's response Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? Where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted unto us? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he has given us over to the hands of Midian. There are times, I think, when the people of God today feel the same way as Gideon does. If God is with us, if God is our Emmanuel, then why does the church struggle? Why is the church mistreated? Why does the, the world ignore our sound and valuable advice? If God is with me, why are such things a mess? Why do I feel alone? Why do I get sick? Why do I struggle? Where's, where's the power of God that we hear from the Bible? Gideon, like us, Gideon felt forsaken. And yet we also have to know and, and understand that really deep down, the messes that we sometimes experience are indeed the messes of our own making. For a great deal of the problem, this is exactly what's going on in Gideon's time with the Midianites. This is the reason God has allowed the Midianites to have free reign over Israel. This is why he allows them to run amok because the Israelites have done what is evil on the side of God. They have ignored God's word. They've made excuses for the evil of other people and they've made allowances for everyone. I personally would never do X, Y, or Z, but who am I to impose my will upon everybody else? And so they make approvals. They make excuses. The Israelites have forsaken the Lord. And it's not just that they're worshiping other gods, which I'm, I'm sure they am, they are, but they've made themselves God. They're doing what they see as right within their own eyes. 
They have stopped asking the tough questions. They have stopped arguing about the difference between right and wrong, what is holy and what is just and what is even-handed. And God's anger is aroused because of his rebellious people. And he allows their enemies to overtake them. And then in their distress, they call out unto the Lord for help. And so the Lord raises up a judge. And God uses that judge in order to deliver his people, to rescue them from the hand and the power of their enemies. And it, and for, it all goes well for a time. And then the judge dies. And the people become complacent and they forget and they forsake the word of the Lord and the whole press starts over again. One might consider it to be a cautionary tale for us. When everything is going well, we can be tempted to be complacent. We can be tempted to forget that the Lord God is God. We can forsake him for for the benefit of stuff. Take his goodness for granted. Take his timing for granted. Take his provision for granted. And it shouldn't surprise us then if the Lord allows hardship to come upon us. Grievous hardship even at that. For this is hardship that we have earned. But this is also for our comfort. The Lord allows hardship to come into our lives for our good. God is seeking works of penitence in our hearts. And where penitence flourishes, so does faith, so that we might call upon his name with greater fervency. He chastens us like a son that he loves because we are the children of God. We are the children that he loves. And so he tries and does everything he can to turn us back from the idols of self, to draw us back unto himself, that we might fear, love, and trust in him above all things, in him and him alone. Occasionally, we might need a little encouragement. Gideon is a picture of Jesus. Gideon was handpicked, chosen by God to deliver Israel, and that very day, even though he was the weakest, even though he was the least, but he was still the Lord's man. He was still put in that place for that message, for that mission. This is a constant theme within the Gideon narrative. Instead of defeating the Midianites with this massive army, the Lord insists, the Lord insists that he pare down his army from 23 or 32,000 men all the way down to a tiny little cadre of 300. This was done on purpose so that the victory would not be won by human strength, so so that Israel wouldn't be able to boast in themselves that the Lord it was who had saved them that it would be crystal clear that the Lord had saved them. Gideon is a living prophecy of God's victory over sin and death. And in this way, God is exalted, humanity is humbled, but Jesus is embodied. He is the mighty Son of God. And yet he doesn't appear to be. When Jesus comes to us first, he comes to us as as the first child of of lowly peasant parents, laying there in a manger, his birth practically a secret. He appears to be nothing more than some poor provincial boy. Born in Bethlehem, the least of the clans of Judah, Jesus, our mighty man of valor, appears to be vulnerable and hopeless and helpless. Not only in his birth, but but also at the time of his death, he appears to be vulnerable and helpless. Nevertheless, he brought about the fulfillment of his own words spoken to Gideon so long ago. I will be with you 
and you will strike the Midianites as one man. Gideon comes with a mere 300 men that would defeat the countless Midianites, and he's going to do it as if he were one man. Our Lord Jesus defeats all of our, our, our enemies quite literally as one man. One man against the, the hosts of hell. By his incarnation, he has taken humanity into himself, and by his death and his resurrection, he has destroyed sin and its power over all of humanity. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so too by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. You see, Jesus is an army. We see this in the story of getting Jesus as an army, but he's an army of one, the only one who can deliver us from our enemies. Out of the lowly birth of Bethlehem comes one who is destined to rule, one who is destined to be the deliverer. The Midianites in their confusion end up turning against themselves in, in the darkest of night. In that same way, Jesus turns death against itself and through his death gives us life. That name Gideon means the one who breaks. It's the one who cuts down. Jesus is our Gideon and he is broken down. Jesus, our Gideon, has cut down the false gods. Gideon has broken down the devil himself. When the angel of the Lord first appears to Gideon, when he's threshing out wheat in a wine press, he departed from the side of Gideon, offering up, after offering up bread and meat on the rock. All of this points into the sacrament of the altar, where the Lord fulfills his promise to be with us in the flesh, to be with us in his body and blood offered upon the rock of Golgotha, given in with and under the, the bread and wine. And though Jesus departs from our sights, he is still with us. Jesus is still present. Jesus is still Emmanuel. He is still God with us as he comes to us in this very special and sacramental way. This is so that we might be able to say, along with Mary, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, Gideon fully perceived, fully perceived and recognized that he was talking to God and it scared the bejesus out of him. He had been in the very presence of God. Gideon thought he was going to die for he had seen the angel of the Lord. He had seen the Malak of God, and he saw him face to face, but the Lord God gives him a word of peace. And we're given that same word of peace an invitation to come into the presence of the Lord. By Christ's true humanity, we are saved from judgment, we are reconciled unto God. The Son of God comforts us as well. He says, Be of peace, do not fear, you will not die. For the Lord Jesus is both a mighty God, but he's also the Prince of Peace. During this Advent season, we look upon Jesus, our Gideon, whose might is hidden in loneliness. Let us with penitent hearts hope in him who is born to be our deliverer and savior, an army of one who's defeated the powers of sin and death and hell at our behalf. In Jesus, amen.